Morning, Joe. Uh, it's only two days, three days after we uh, recorded the special with uh, Eric Clow looking outside. Sun is shining again in the Netherlands because uh, it's like Kona, but then in Europe. I guess it's raining in Norwich. No, it's all right, mate. I was out cycling today, nice and sunny, getting the miles in. I saw your ride yesterday. You were, you were riding that bloody bike with the worn-out headset, weren't you? I thought, God, I, like he, people say that I don't look after my bikes, but yours was rusted up like I've never seen. <laughs> that is actually, it's my commute bike. It's also my very, very first road bike, where I also did my first half Ironman on. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a relic. It's a the, relic. The one where you come into transition pretty hot. I came in pretty. Was that pretty on that bike? Hot. Yeah. Was it? No, nah, that was on a different one. But oh. it's, uh, but I came in pretty hot, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, you need to post that up again. Show the listeners what coming in hot for transition. This is like how you come in if there if you've heard there's a thousand dollar bonus for the fastest T2. <laughs> I came in so hot it cost me about um, four square meters of skin. <laughs> <laughs> what have you got any highs and lows this week, mate? Um, highs back into training. Um, like I feel all right. So just starting to get get back in, building up a bit. Um, COVID can't stop me, mate. <laughs> it, did it? Did it really stop you? Yeah, stopped me from going to St George, isn't it? Like I, God, like I haven't trained properly for ages. Well, it feels like it anyway. Um, but even now, like it's not really like proper training. It's just like doing a bit more than what I was. Um, what but, what do you feel like right if if you're doing like a long set do you like super, feel super fatigued after an easy set or is it just you don't want to overdo it yeah yeah well I've not really done like any long sets really fucking dogs <laughs> mate that's them junkyard dogs you know what they're like anything sets them off <laughs> All right, but go on. yeah I haven't really done any uh, proper long sets really like the longest I've done is um oh, like three hours on the bike something like that but it's I, I find it's the recovery afterwards where you really notice it not actually doing it like I feel all right when I'm doing it but it's uh if you do too much and you struggle well I struggle to to recover properly mm-hmm. yeah same agree agree all right so you're back into uh some training you did quite some swim sets already and hopping on the bike How, how's the run gonna come along uh, I'm not doing too much running actually that's one I'm doing a lot less of at the moment because that was the one that was taking more out of me um, so I thought I'll just do a bit more swimming and cycling, keep the fitness up that way, and I'll get I'll get back into the running a bit more later on because I did a run the other day and it took quite a lot out of me. So I thought, well, there's no point doing the running straight away if it's going to take a lot more out of you. So I'm doing a, a little bit less running. I'll probably only run like well twice maybe this week, but I'll cycle like pretty much every day and swim pretty much every day, um, mm-hmm. and then do a lot less do a lot less running and see how this week goes. And then if this week goes quite well and I feel good by the end of it, then I'll do some more running next week. All right. Nice one. Lows. I want to hire some lows. I live off the lows, low. Live off the lows. My (laughs) neighbour is going crazy, mate. Like, you know, the one who I said about the endless pool? Can you remember? Yeah. Yeah, She wrote a letter through the door. Crazy. And then now she's playing a cunning plan. So, like, her plan is to leave her washing out all day literally all day, every day, different washing during the day. Because I think what she's hoping is that I'll go swimming, splash the washing, and then she can keep getting pictures and stuff or like evidence up. And then she's going to go to the management company and uh, she's going to complain and say, oh, look, he keeps splashing my washing. But it's because she leaves it up all day, every day. Literally from sun sunrise to sunset, her bloody washing's up in the garden. But this should actually motivate you to... Uh, uh fix your stroke to perfection so yeah, it's not well, it splashy 
Yeah, I know. I know. It's a work in progress, mate. I videoed it the other day to see. Uh, I said that to Laura. Look, the more I practice, the more uh, the better it will get. And uh, I said to the neighbour, you know, you is just got to bear it with so, me. Is it so splashy that literally litres of water are going over the fence? Well, I don't think it's that bad, but she's she's not too pleased. But I said it's a work in progress, you know. The more you let me swim, practice in it, the better it will get and the drier your washing will be. But she doesn't buy into it. And what, what's her problem with the whole pool? Is it is it the splashing or does it make like a shitload of noise? It doesn't or? make that much noise. She goes, it's unacceptable noise, unacceptable behavior. It's bonkers noisy, she says. <laughs> bonkers noisy. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Crazy. She said, you're a child. You're selfish. <laughs> like she was hanging out over the fence the other day. Said, you're childish. You're selfish, boy. You know, what I did said, you say? I need to keep up with the other big uh, influencers of triathlon, like Ian Fredino's got one, Lionel Sanders, <laughs> uh, a triathlon Terran. Like, I, I can't fall behind. I need to. Uh, I fix- don't care, Joe. I said, the more I swim, the better I struck away. I don't care. All right, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> All right, well, that's a bummer then. <laughs> yeah. Um, Joe, it's uh, Tuesday today. I did my heart echo yesterday because uh, so I went to Maastricht last week. I wanted to pick up training a little bit. Still all easy, small sessions. And um, although two friends of mine uh, that are uh, cyclists for a, a professional cycling team, they said to me, we are not allowed on the bike or whatever before we did a heart test because you can get due to covid uh, uh, myocarditis, meaning uh, an inflamed heart muscle, inflammation around the heart, and that can result if you train pretty hard into like, well, heart attacks and whatever. Uh, so I consulted already a, a cardiologist. He said, well, if you don't have any chest pain or whatever, it's it's not really likely that you're, uh, you're having uh, myocarditis. But of course, being a proper bloke, I uh, uh, did some easy sessions and the man flu got to me, Joe. The man flu got to me. What do you mean the man flu got to you? You started feeling more ill or something? Well, man flu meaning you think you're really sick, but you haven't got anything. So that is the man flu. Yeah. Um, Girls always say if, if, if if a man is sick, well, oh, he's probably got the man flu. Like it's probably yeah, because they overreact, don't they? But I've yeah, but, yeah, but you 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 were feeling all right well, though, weren't you? You just thought you uh, well, your heart was a bit screwed, mate. Exactly. Oh, you felt all right. It's just your heart was it was a bit fucked. Well, literally that. So let me give you an example. I did a ride in Maastricht last week, three hours. The last twenty minutes of that ride, I averaged two hundred watts, and my heart rate was one hundred and fifty-two beats per minute. Yeah, but to be fair, that's quite good for you. Like that's one hundred and ten percent of FTP. <laughs> of course, your heart rate's going to be higher. Like, well, I you've was got an FTP of one hundred eighty, mate. You can't. Uh, you you can't I, complain. I was flipping, freaking out. To give you an example, uh, uh, more than three, a bit more than three weeks ago, I could do two by an hour at three hundred and twenty watts and not even get my heart rate above 150. So I was like, minor guta, what the hell's going on? Anyway, um, besides that, even when I was chilling on the couch, I was feeling like chest pain, stitches in my heart. And I was thinking, fuck, I need to get this test ASAP because I think I, I've got this thing. I've got it. I've got it. So uh, I managed to get in a, a quick test on Monday, was yesterday. Um, I didn't do any sports for five days, like literally nothing. I was like, I don't want to risk anything. So you just uh, wanted to watch Netflix, didn't you? I just wanted like, to I Netflix. Think my heart's and- a bit bad, and then really, it's just like nailing Netflix and stuff. <laughs> uh, so I went there. Um, she did an echo. Um, 
got the results in today, so the day after. So I was sitting in the waiting room, and uh, then the women, she called my name. She was like, Tomo Sadek? She said, yep, yeah, that's me. So I went in, and she said, all right, you can uh, lay down because uh, we're going to do this and that. I said, oh, no, no, it's all right. I did all the tests yesterday. She said, yeah, but we're going to do some additional tests. I said, additional tests? I said, I was getting the results today. She said, yeah, you're getting them later on, but we wanted to do uh, some additional tests. In. I said, oh, why is that? She said, well, we can't say anything about the results. Only uh, the cardiologist can say that. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm totally fucked. Like, they won't do any extra testing but, if nothing's going yeah, on. Yeah, so she made so it sound like there was something bad I, when you went in mate, there. Mate, my armpits were wet. Were wet. They were pretty, <laughs> pretty wet. Uh, did the extra testing, which was an ACG and a, a blood pressure test and uh, uh, urine. Then... Um, I had to wait another 20 minutes and then the cardiologist called me in and uh, he said, Tommy, you're all right. You've got the man flu. Did he actually say that? No, he didn't say that. But he oh. said, looks like <laughs> no, he's a professional, mate. <laughs> uh, he said, well, looking on the echo and everything, I can't see anything. But then he said, just to be sure, uh, we, I want you to, uh, uh, we want to take some extra blood or we want to take some blood to see whether you've had inflammation in the blood or anything. So... Uh, I did some blood testing as well this morning, and he's still going to call me today for the results. But looking at the results, um, it doesn't seem uh, shocking or that something is up. So I've been cleared healthy. Still, that being said, doesn't mean I can go back to LT3 because I'm still feeling fuckish during training. It just means I still have to slowly, slowly build it up. Mind you, did you see that Martin Van Riel was uh, going to LT3 the other day, wasn't he? Yeah, he was his... living it up in LT3 at altitude as well. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? And speaking of COVID, uh, last week when we said Javier Gomez was one of the dark horses for uh, for the world champs, he got we taken down him. by it. We cursed I know, him. we cursed him, didn't we? We jinxed it. We flipping jinxed it. We should stop doing this. Well, or if any uh, of the favourites want us to curse any of the other favourites... And take them out the uh, the game. If they sign up to our patrons, we might be more than happy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but for uh, it, it really uh, uh, sucks, of course, for uh, Javier Gomez and the others. I mean, you want to measure with the uh, best. It already uh, sucked that you can go there. Um, so that's a shame. Anyway, uh, high for me now is I've got St. George coming up in three days, mate. Thursday. I'll be flying on Thursday. I can't flipping wait. I Chris XX messaged me this morning. He said, "Oh boy, I've really booked a massive, massive day in the office for your internship, internship Tommy boy." Did he say that? Uh, no, he didn't. But he did say <laughs> <laughs> he did say he was ready. He was ready to pick me up from the airport, <laughs> and then uh, he's going to show me around Vegas. Uh, and uh, we're going to start the first vlog in Vegas. Going to ask some people out in the streets what they think of the big names and try and what they think of the biggest sports in the world, biggest cardio sports. Are you uh, going to get a mixture of people on there when you when you interview them? Like some I'm old trying, people, some young. I'm going, I'm going around on the street with Pepe and I'm going to look for these absolute fruit loops. You should be dressed in your tri-suit and ask them what sport as well do you think I'm dressed as? Dressed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do some real fucked up shit. <laughs> Put your aero helmet on and your tri-suit and say, what sport do you think he look, what, what sport do you think I'm, I'm ready, I'm dressed for? Yeah, 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 definitely. I need to think of something like that. I'll be in St. George as of this Saturday. Uh, if you see us around, don't be shy because we want some people to uh, to interview. Are you still doing uh, your race as well in Vegas? 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I wanted to ask you that. So this Saturday, there is a small Olympic distance. Do you think it would be wise just doing it like easy? I don't even know if I can, I can like I haven't, I've, I've only swam in the last three weeks one time. You might have some residual fitness and you might be able to take the, take the W mate in that. I don't even know if I can finish the swim. Like just, literally, no, I didn't do any swimming in three weeks. It, he, says he says you're fine, didn't he? Just see how you go. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could do it. I can always finish the race with Chris XX. Like he's racing it as well. Are you entered into it? Uh, yeah, I think so. I've messaged the organization. There you go. What do you say? Anyway, I'm, quite big, I'm quite a big deal from Holland. And then you'll turn up <laughs> and you'll be like flopping around the water. And if you, like, if you Google my name, you can see I'm quite a big deal. I'm like 250th <laughs> in the world. <laughs> yeah. Which is actually a true story. And you are actually ranked 250th in the world. It's quite something, isn't it? You know? It's quite a big deal. Like, quite yeah, a big yeah. deal. Like seven people recognise me on the street. You say, "I knew that 250 kind of guy." I said, "Yeah, that's that's like it. That's, that's probably true." Probably dropped uh, 20 places now because of COVID. But I'll be back in think, the top 250. Do you think if, if they would rank the PTO rankings based on uh, social media impact, I would make a hit into the into the into the, like, the top 20s? Oh, I don't know. Top 20s, mate. That's pushing it. Some of them have got loads of followers. <laughs> <laughs> top 100. <laughs> well fair enough top 100, top 100. Uh, yeah anyway so looking forward to St George uh, have you got any other highs lows Joe uh, no I haven't got any mate I haven't got any you haven't got any I haven't got any alright then uh, shall we go over to the races from last weekend Joe yeah yeah what races were they again <laughs> only joking <laughs> <laughs> shall we start off with um, let's start Texas, off with I'm in Texas I'm in Texas <laughs> Big yeah, junkyard Texas... dogs to that winner. I heard him, mate, from Norwich, Ben Hoffman, when he sprinted past him. He told me he junkyard dogged him, got him on the last 180, and that was why he fell apart, Magnus, at the end. That he was said, cool how, how Ben Hoffman that... messaged us and said he did that. He junkyard dogged him, and it got to his head on the last 200 metres. So bear that in mind, guys. If you're ever in a close race, the junkyard dog does seem to have that effect on your rivals. <laughs> it's proven. Um... It's proven. Like, you did it before. Okay. In New Zealand, and what happened? He fell apart, didn't he? Maybe he never he's saw him again. He's flipping shocked. He's still he in his to, basement in, in Brazil. He wanted to beat you up, but you did beat him in the race. So, like, and you survived getting beaten up. So it was a win-win. Ben Hoffman, junkyard dogs, got the win. Boom. St George, who's going to be? Who's going to be the shall junkyard we, dog? Uh, shall we start off with uh, like the start? Forty-five men or something on the real start list. Top um, Dutch, top Dutch triathletes are racing. I think the Michael, Michael DeWill broke nine hours. The uh, the start of the race started with the swim. Joe, it started with the swim. You watched the whole race, didn't you? Uh, on and off, yeah. On and off, mate, yeah. You had nothing to do. You couldn't get out with your heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched, I watched, uh, I watched uh, quite some of it. Um, anyway, just just do your talking, what you always do with these races, mate. That's, that's what you're good at. So that Richard Varga absolutely drilled it on the swim. It took got out in about 47 minutes, but which doesn't sound too quick, but the gaps were absolutely huge because um, it was Sam Laidlow who was in third and he was about 30 seconds behind. And to be honest, I've not seen him get out the front of the race. He was our pick and it was looking good for me, mate, on the bike because he was drilling it. He was in first, but I was a bit worried. I was thinking, oh, he looks like he's doing a bit too much work. You know, I'm not sure how this run's going to go, but it was looking good. Um, and on the bike, you had Magnus Ditlev who got out the water like four and a half minutes, five minutes down just basically drilled it, rode up to the front and then rode off the front, had about a minute and a half lead with 
eight miles to go, I think it was. He went through the 104-mile split, punctured, and then um, lost his minute and a half lead and ended up getting into T2, seven and a half minutes down. So basically, he lost nine minutes. But I thought it was like so ridiculous because like that he stood by the side of the road and you can see him and obviously the camera bike stopped there for about a minute and a half until or two minutes until the leader comes and he's there and he's like I don't even know if he got a spare wheel in the end or if he had to fix the puncher himself but I just think it's so ridiculous like in the sport now they're trying to make it a pro sport like a legitimate sport and then you don't have spare wheels for the pros do you know what I mean like you'd hardly get expect like the Tour de France or like riders in like the classics to have like spare inner tubes and pumps and all their kind of like gear because I just think like how amateur does that look you're watching the race on tv the guy's a minute and a half off the front then he stops at the side of the road to fix a bloody puncher I mean yeah you expect that on a Sunday morning when you're out riding if you punch you but surely not in a premier race this is the north this is like a big Ironman hundred thousand dollar pro race you know I mean, what happened? Could you imagine you're watching Wimbledon? Someone's like tennis racket breaks, and they say, "Sorry, he's lost the match now. Tennis racket's broken. Sorry, guys, that's it. You know, uh, the other guys won. You're gonna have to leave the stadium now. That's the end of the match." It's mm-hmm. just like you need. They need to be putting out. And also, on the other hand, the guys are traveling. Like you're getting people traveling across continents. You know, like for instance, if we went there, we could be traveling from Europe. You know, you've got you've got all the money you've invested on flights, accommodation, uh, all that. You're, in, you're doing it as a pro, they should be having spare wheels. And at worst case, they should be having wheels at aid stations that you could ride this is, to. Uh, th- this is what I thought, because uh, the, the, the motorbikes with the spare wheels, they're always at the front of the race. But sometimes you've got these heavy weights in the race that are they always need to like warm up a little bit. They're not great swimmers like me. Um and what if they puncture and they're like off the back of the pros? They hardly ever have any motorbike support. And but maybe very sorry. rarely they have wheels anyway for the front of the race. I mean, he was at the front of the race and he get one, did he? I mean, if he did, he lost nine minutes. You shouldn't be losing that, no. should you? You know, maybe like a minute. So by the time you like stop, the bike's there and you get it. They should be having mm-hmm. support for the whole pro race. And I no. think for the age groupers as well, if you're paying like 600 pounds to enter a race, me and my friend were talking about this. They should have inner tubes and and pumps at every single aid station. So worst case scenario, if you're an age grouper, you get to the aid station and there's stuff to fix a puncher and pump your tires up. Because if you're paying six hundred pounds, I mean, the sport keeps going on about, yeah, but it's a self, it's a it's all, it's a sport where you're all by yourself and that. And it's like, yeah, maybe in like the 1980s, but the sports evolved, the cost of entries evolved. I mean, how much was it to enter a race in the 90s? Maybe 150 pounds. It's 600 quid now. So if you're paying four times the price, then surely the service you get has got to be better. And mm-hmm. for the pros, it's just trying to make it as a legitimate pro sport. And then you've got people stopped by the side of the road. I just think it's a total joke, to be honest. And it's ridiculous that that can it happen. Was, Ditliff would have absolutely annihilated the field if he didn't have a puncture or would have uh, had a quick fix. Keeping in mind the marathon he, he ran, if he would have ran that as well then, uh, which I would think he would have, uh, then he would have put in like eight minutes into the rest, wouldn't he? Like, yeah, I mean, he would have uh, smashed it. And also, he's um, like, I mean, imagine if he, even if he, say, worst case scenario, he'd have run two minutes slower. Um, I bet he'd have got off the bike when he did. If he'd have won it by like seven minutes or whatever, or if it, he could have got loads of PTO points, you know. Going, going off the fact that Ben Hoffman has always been a, uh, uh, well, uh, 
a top contender in Kona. He's always great in the heat. Uh, he was great again in Texas. Do you think, uh, based off this result, that Titlev is one of the boys to watch out for for Kona then in October? As yeah, he did at 240 in this heat. Yeah, it was definitely. absolutely melting. Definitely, because uh, if you can do good in this race, then it definitely means that you can do well in Kona because the conditions are very similar. But I would say one, the only way it could have helped Ditlev, the only way he would have got any advantage was because his heart rate would have come down. He might have cooled down a bit by the side of the road. You could eat and drink and you could get some nutrition in while you're waiting there, you know, if he got a spare wheel. I mean, if he's having to sort it out himself, he's not getting any, like, nutrition and extra. But that's the only way it would help you. But then the negatives are you've stopped you're feeling a bit down because you've just lost nine minutes. You know what I mean? You kind of, that would have felt like a hell of a lot of time, that nine minutes oh. and you might be a bit demoralized. So I guess the kind of trade-off that probably didn't mean that you ran any quicker, you probably, uh, you know, or slower, you know, you probably uh, leveled yourself out. Um, I guess it would have motivated him when he started knowing that Ben Hoffman was only 30 seconds in front and they were getting splits to the front where it was constantly coming down. So I guess after like 10 miles, he would have thought, all oh, right, it's looking like it's going to be me versus Ben and Ben's pretty close. But you'd be like, it must have been pretty bitter to know that you got second by like 20 seconds or 15 seconds, but you lost like bloody nine minutes, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, awesome performance for his first one. But for him, it's got big implications because the PTO points that he would have lost in that nine minutes would have been huge. And obviously he wants to get selected for the PTO championships in Slovakia, massive money, you know. I mean, just for Europe to get selected, you're going to get $50,000 or so. Plus, like he would have got the extra prize money in the race, you know that nine minutes that could have cost him. If you look, if that if that's the difference between him getting selected for the PTO sponsor bonuses, I reckon minimum that's cut that could cost him if he loses out on PTO selection for the Collins Cup, sixty thousand dollars. Well, in combination with first place and sponsor bonuses, I'm in Texas and maybe end of the year rankings PTO, maybe up to like a hundred grand. Yeah, yeah, it could be. It would, it would be. It could be. Yeah, it could be like you know that huge. Is, uh, crazy if you think about it um, and then coming down to a sprint again sprint finish in like an eight hour race it's absolutely crazy isn't it yeah I mean the races are getting closer all the time and one of the things that I think would potentially put pros off racing the Ironman races and doing the PTO races the PTO races are going to have a lot more money in and also if the PTO races can guarantee support where you know that they're going to have people out there giving you wheels giving you stuff like mechanical support that would be a pretty game changer for me because I, if I knew I, you know, that because I always worry before a race, like a mechanical, I mean, I had a puncture in South Africa. Luckily, I had tubeless and it's sealed, which is like a, a miracle because normally they don't. But like, if you know that you're doing a race and there's like good mechanical support there, that would be a, a, a big game changer because I don't want to go to a race knowing that, you know, if I punch you, I've spent all them thousands of pounds and I've got mm -hmm. nothing to show for it just because of something like that, you know. So if they're putting out support where, you know, you can get that help. I think that could uh, persuade a lot more athletes to do it, as well as the money being massive. I mean, like the PTO Championships has got, not the championships, the races that they've got in Canada and America have got 10 times the prize money of Ironman Texas. You know, so it's, it's a no-brainer, really. Um, anyway, going back to uh, Ironman St. George. Wait, I quickly need to take this one. All right, that was the doc. What did he say? Is that... Block values looking absolutely great. Did he really say that? Yeah, he said block values looking like awesome. He said nothing, uh, nothing to worry about. No, uh, no inflammation. He said doping authorities can't track anything, so uh, you're 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 good. You're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it was all right. Yeah, it's good. He said uh, you're good to train, mate. So then I said, now I go back to work. 
if did you, you say know that. what I mean. Yeah. Did you say <laughs> that to him? I said, oh, that's great. So now I can go back to work if you know what I mean. And he said, yeah, I know what you mean. Did really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so we're talking about St. George. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm in Texas. So yeah, a, a amazing race for uh, for Ditlev. Do you know what I find so flipping annoying about Ironman? As soon as someone is racing and drops out DNFs, either if it's in the run, the swim, or the bike, they get taken off the tracker, got taken out of the results. And I'm like, stop that. Because if you stop halfway through the marathon, you're beaten. You got beaten by someone. And by taking them out of the results, it doesn't really represent the field yeah. a race had or what it was. Good. Yeah, because like, for instance, we look back on South Africa and it looked like you were like towards the back of the amount of people that finished. But loads of people DNF'd because they were having bad races and were we were, we were like with 32 people on the start list of 34 and, and like literally we all touched the water and we finished with 18 or 19. Same now with Ironman Texas. Uh, 30 people finished and it was something like 45 on the start line. Doesn't make any sense. I just think it's pathetic. It's, it makes the sport pathetic, look pathetic because if I were... Uh, uh, someone that doesn't really have any knowledge about uh, Ironman, I would look up these results, for example. Why would someone yeah. that doesn't have an interest in Ironman do that? But anyway, and you think, oh, he comes in 15th out of 20, whereas maybe 60 people were on the list. doesn't make any yeah. sense. I just think it's pathetic. And it's yeah, annoying no. because we can't really look anything up. And you want uh, to see how, and sometimes if someone, you, you can't tell how you swim or a certain aspect of your race compared because the person that you swam with or whatever has gone off and then you don't get the full picture, do you, of who you were with? But also exactly. one actual pet hate about that coverage from the Texas race, I don't know what you thought about this, but like when Ben Hoffman and um, Ditlev were running next side by side, then they, for anyone that didn't watch it, they probably came together with about seven miles to go. So a decent amount of the race, you know, nearly a third of the marathon they were side by side, literally putting in attacks. Like it was Ditlev putting a couple of attacks, literally almost sprinting at one point. And then Ben would close him down. It was like that. And then the Ironman coverage would break away to the women's race and show that for 10 minutes. And no disrespect to Jocelyn, but she had a six or a ten, six to eight minute lead. She was home and dry. It was pretty clear from 15 to 16 miles in the race, she was going to win, you know, or even halfway in. And you're like, what is Ironman doing? This is head-to-head racing in an Ironman. They're putting in attacks and the coverage would just go. And you're like, if I miss the main move where like one of them broke the other guy, I'm going to be totally gutted. Like, this is what you want to see, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. and they even did it at one point with 1K to go, 800 meters in the race. And I was like, you couldn't make this up. You know, there's 800 <laughs> meters to go in the race and they cut to the women's where, you know, I mean, they could have waited three minutes and it would have been fine. The men's race would have been finished. You could show the women's race as much as you want could, them. But could have been the other way around as well. Could have if, been the other way around. If the females around. were like battling head to head. Exactly. Like- if the females was head to head and there was a male that was eight minutes in the lead, I would say, what are they doing? Like, this guy has won. Show us the female race. We want to see the head to head race and you want to see the excitement. And uh, luckily they did show the finish. But I was thinking, what on earth is going, mm. what are they doing? Who was directing yep. this? It was the, I don't know. It's probably just a bunch of interns. I have no clue, mate. Sometimes I... I... Normally with Ironman, there's someone on like a phone, isn't it? That's just hooked up to 4G. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, uh, yeah, if 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 I was able 
if I was able, I would have wanted to identify as a girl for this race because female racing in Ironman Texas is just so fair, isn't it? Like literally every pro, female pro, was racing on their own apart from maybe some parts in the swim because after that, on the bike, on the run, it all split up. It all comes down to who is the strongest on the day. Whereas, to be fair, in the men's race, like they came, I think there was a pack of 25 pros. You up the front, out of the water, you had, uh, 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 who was it, Sam Laidlow with uh, Varga and at some point Jesper Swenningson and then uh, Ditlev uh, bridged up. But in the back, they, you had like a pack of 20 people and literally I've seen some power files afterwards and people del- deleting their power data from their file on Strava. I mean, that says it all, Is that what it? they did? What's they left the ride up but deleted the power off it? Then they deleted power later on because really? it was ridiculously low. People calling it a group ride and it just makes it such, an, uh, such a different game because you're coming off the bike uh, uh, much fresher if you did like 240 watts and then running pretty also- strong. I think it completely neutralizes the race as well, because if you've got someone who's a better cyclist but not so good a runner, surely you want to see those guys push ahead and then it come down to, like, will mm-hmm. they get caught? Are they going to hold on? Whereas, like, the drafting rules, 10 metres is just way too close. That like Especially, like you say, when you get 10, 12 people in line, you're probably pushing under 200 watts at some point, you know, mm-hmm. just saying that. I know that when I've been in a pack, because- I'm, I'm covering the brakes to break because I'm so paranoid that I'm going to get a drafting penalty because it is that easy. I can't mm-hmm. pedal like I want to because I'm going to go too close. So I'm literally braking on a flat bit of road out of the saddle standing up. I mean, how ridiculous is that? It's not really uh, a race where you're all under your own steam, is it? And mm-hmm. uh, it ruins it. Yeah, like I think they need to, and they especially on a course like this, there's no reason why they couldn't do 20 metres. I mean, you're riding down a motorway for 20-something miles and then back. But- Exactly, and and it was it was easier to sit in because it was like a massive headwind and tailwind, uh, from what I've seen, uh, and and that's also why I think the gaps are in the female fields just way bigger because they had to do 180k in the saddle, no let up. They all come off the bike, totally fucked. Whereas the majority, it's a of proper them, endurance test, isn't it, in the females? Exactly, exactly. Um, but um, you could see, uh, I think, at some point. Uh, ben Hoffman managed to bridge up as well, or, or he, he managed to get away from that big pack and, and ride up a bit more to the front uh, because all the others, and I think a pack like that, if they don't have motorbikes, so if it's like just like this, not the absolute front of the race, but just a little bit, a little bit before that, no one really wants to really ride hard because they're thinking I'm towing everyone along. Um, which makes sense. But then in the end, you'd never ride to your own potential, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And it's extremely hard to get away because someone will normally fill in a gap and ride second. I mean, like once you get away, you're normally okay, but it's just breaking that elastic because someone, if you put in a dig, someone will normally try and sit in the wheel in second. And then the person that was in second, say if he goes back to fifth in the pace line, you might Mm -hmm. be putting out 350, 360 watts, but he might only be doing 280, 290. So he can recover. The guy in second might blow up, but then the guy who's in like fourth or fifth might think, oh, I'll go with him. So then he fills in that gap and then it kind of keeps it all together because someone's always willing to go to second oh. because they think it's going to split up Just and then you for, recover. For this reason, if it happens or not, I mean, maybe they're on, on like a legal distance, whatever. Um, if it happens or not, this is why I don't, I just don't do any flat racing. Like I just can't handle the fact getting out of the water, having that this deficit and then thinking they're all getting a free ride up. Yeah, but you would, stuff. you would probably find it all right because you'd bridge up to him. I don't think it's too bad in America because you get a legit race generally, like they won't put motorbikes in. And like you say, because no one wants to ride on the front, 
what generally happens is, and that's probably why Matt Russell was able to bridge up like six minutes to him because no one wants to ride on the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. So actually it's not that bad. It's just incredibly frustrating if you get stuck in that group and you can't break away. And knowing that you've got people that whose own total game plan is just to sit as far in that pack, not do anything and just hope that that pack ends up coming to in, uh, to the end of the bike together so they can do and a good run. And then starting to run fresh, yeah. Yeah, that's just like, they're like little snakes, aren't they? <laughs> the rats. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so Ben Hoffman won the race, Ditliff in second, Jesper Svensson in third. Female race, flipping, fair race. Jocelyn McCauley uh, won the race. And uh, Lauren Brandon came in 13 or 12 and a half minutes off the back. And then Joanna Reiter from Switzerland made in uh, third. Yeah, very fair race. Um, anyway, it was not a race this weekend, uh, a challenge for Rick Keown, but there wasn't really a live stream. So I can't wait. No, Grand Canaria. Canaria, Canaria. There was a live stream and I saw a bit of it and it was so bad, the live stream. Is, is that a proper Spanish it. live stream then, wasn't it? Same as that Duathlon, just two it blokes was... speaking Spanish. Uh, I don't know. I saw like I, I had. I think I had English commentary on it. Like, I it think was you speak yeah. English. Uh, Did you yeah, understand it or not? I just can't remember <laughs> because it was honestly it was so bad that the, the motorbike that was following them was like too far behind the riders that you couldn't see properly, and you couldn't see who was leading or anything. So there was like four people in a lead group, and it was just following behind the fourth person. You couldn't see anything. One thing you could see was massive interference on the motorbikes. I don't care what anyone says. You could see that. And at some point when you could see the first person, there was like three or four motorbikes in front. And I don't get this with challenge races, Spanish races. I think, to be honest, they're incredibly dirty. They're the worst races I've done. I don't even race in Spain anymore because of that. And it's like, it's no coincidence that where you get out in the water, if you get out in the lead pack in a Spanish race, you will never get caught from behind. And you can look at results. It's very rare that anyone that gets out in the chase pack ever bridges up to the lead pack in a race in Spain because of the amount of motorbikes they have that follow the race or like ride in front. And they don't ride that far in front. They ride like literally 10 meters in front. I could, you can see what, it. And What if uh, if Ironman Barcelona this year would say, hey, Joe, we no, want you as our ambassador? I'd say no. Like it's a draft fest. It's pointless. Like, the <laughs> but they'll are, say, the we'll draft you. We'll draft you as well. <laughs> sign me up sign me up <laughs> no I, honestly the races are an absolute joke in spain like i did them for years and it was the same thing happened time and time again sometimes they would motor pace one person off the front sometimes it'd be a whole group and i think they're getting worse if anything and this happened again in this race i saw it and the comment the coverage was dreadful like i couldn't watch it like i was like god um, that's it. Like I can't watch this. You know, it's just they, one motorbike riding behind a pack. You can't see anything that's going behind. You couldn't see any time splits on the screen. It was like, wow, is this really what it's come down to? <laughs> could you, <laughs> could you, uh, could you then maybe see on the coverage which motorbike came in first in the transition? <laughs> and I say it's just crazy. Like I just, I mean, like it's just well, I don't know why they do it. it whereas looking boring. at looking at the results, looking at the female races. Um, so Sarah Perez came in first, Els Fischer in second, Lucy Buckingham in uh, in uh, third. Um, Els Fischer almost biked as fast as uh, Sarah Perez, whereas she led four minutes out of the swim. So I would say she didn't really get paced along. Like The female not. races are always way fairer. Because they start behind the men's, they can't really get the motorbikes in the course there. Do you know what I mean? To have them. Because mm-hmm. the reason the men's races are so bad is because they have the police, the lead bikes and everything like that, making sure the courses are clear. Whereas the women's race doesn't need the police, doesn't need the lead bike, because some of the faster women 
probably end up catching up with the back end of the male group. So those women mm-hmm. don't have that problem with the motorbikes. The women's races are fantastic. They're generally a lot cleaner. The best athletes come on top and you get a proper legit race. Whereas the men's races are dirty as anything. You know, front pack swimmer, never see him again on the bike. Can't push 300 watts to save his life. But, you know, he's gaining 100 watts from the motorbike in front, you know. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Uh, anyway. Uh... <laughs> I could go on like this all day, but like, <laughs> just can't, I just can't believe it. Like, it's high, everyone complains it's... about it, but it happens time and time again. I can't wait for this uh, race ranger thing. I'm going to speak to uh, uh, Dylan and his companion, the uh, uh, the two lads that invented the race ranger thing. Um, we're going to do a podcast about it in St. George. Uh, anyway, uh, Challenge Gran Canaria won by Mika Note. Uh, he's up, uh, he does he did win a couple of 70 point frees. I don't know if they got all got paced along or not. He did it all by himself, but he is a kind of a beast. He's only, he's only 21 years old and the course must've been short, but he ran a one Oh five 58, uh, 48. That is flipping quick. Even if it's like two K short. Oh, I don't even um, think it's two K because if you look at the women's times, the fastest women's run split was only a one nineteen. So yeah, it wasn't so like the woman was running one fourteen. So like, it might have been a K short or something like that, but I would have thought at least the fastest one would have been a 123. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he must have been like a 108, 109 pace, which is very good. You know, like the running's great. But um, yeah, 21. I just have a problem. If I know what I was doing it. If I remember what I was doing at 21, it was definitely not running, Joe. And it was definitely not running 109s or 105s in an Ironman. But you were quick at running to the bar, especially, or you'd have been even quicker now if you had your vapor flies in the bar, wouldn't you? flipping quick do you think he junkyard uh, do you think he did a junkyard dog he's, he's is he german with that name uh, i can't imagine it a sounds, german it sounds german and he is german he's german. i don't think he junkyard dog. i can't imagine a german doing a junkyard dog it's more of like an england and aussie thing isn't it english and aussie maybe some yeah, Americans definitely. Might do it. yeah right. no it's, it's not a uh, um a German would more like look at the numbers, how many watts have I pushed today, and looking at like, just analyzing everything. Do you Tell think? us a little story though. When you were in, uh, you went to university in German, didn't you? And you, you're multilingual, yeah. aren't you? are bilingual, aren't you? I mean, you can talk quite a few languages: German, English, Holland, German, and English. I can do a fling in Spain. And then they try I, and get you to do a sword fight at university. I'm not even <laughs> bullshitting, guys. Like They tried to get him to do a sword fight, didn't they? Tell us a little well, bit about it's that. A, like. um, so I've studied in Germany, and um, as uh, there's a, a, a massive uh, a, a, for, yeah, some sort of fraternity culture in, in Germany. It's all like pretty traditional. And I just wanted to see what it's like. And from back in the days, they would do these sword fights. And I've heard stories about it in the Netherlands, like these sort fights in germany but i never knew they really existed so i just literally googled some of these fraternity literally rang them up and i said boys i'm coming to uh, heidelberg is a city in germany that's actually pretty close to where Kino lives uh i come in there i want to study there for six months and would you be able to let me stay over at your place uh, and they said well come around for a weekend and we'll see what you like did they say that they want so they gave you like an audition then basically yeah yeah so, yeah well, i would i would have expected that because you want to see what kind of guy you're, you're getting like yeah. because so in triathlon terms move. in triathlon terms that's the equivalent of ringing up a performance center or something saying look I, I think i'm a decent athlete guys can you just put me on a trial or something and see if i've got what it takes that's basically what they said didn't they you know that's what it is. yeah that's let's what see how many let's see how you, how many beers you can drink and if you're all right and then we'll have you this uh, the culture in Germany is absolutely nuts. So did you uh, have in, to like? Did you have to practice like your beer drinking and stuff before? Because like you well, know to make sure that you could beer, take a bit because you don't want to beer drinking. So 
um, in the Netherlands, fraternities are more like in America, what you see in like American Pie, that kind of stuff. Whereas in Germany, is all more, uh, it's more like traditional. They live, they live in absolute castles, like castles. They don't need to pay anything. It's all like the people that used to live there. They pay for everything. Um, and so I was living there basically for free and they do sword fights. So if you, if you're like thinking like, what does he mean with sword fights? Just Google Mensur, just M E N S U R Mensur in German. How did they and, get you to do a sword fight though? Like, was well, it I didn't want to do it. So it's, it's literally with sharp shorts, swords that you're punching in on each other's fight face until someone gets hit. Then they'll look at the scar. It's bleeding like crazy and then if the scar isn't bad enough they need to continue the fight so i've literally seen cheeks blistered open and and hats and it's absolutely crazy but just google mensur and you'll you'll, you can see what it's like they wanted me to do it i said well boys um having scars like that in the netherlands isn't pretty cool it is cool in germany maybe but maybe but not in uh, the netherlands but it was, uh, yeah, I studied in germany was a and heidelberg is absolute lovely city and it's pretty big in triathlon it's a big triathlon city. Yeah, apparently it is. And then going ahead to St. George, you know, we were doing our <laughs> Going little... from sword fights to St. George. Speaking of a big that's sword fight. That's another sword fight, mate. That's another <laughs> that's sword fight. That's got to be. It's a couple of lads sword fighting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, the, we, we said we were going to talk about some of the athletes. And uh, this week I thought the Norwegians. People say the Norwegians, but I'm thinking like only one of them, if they do both have a good race or say one of them did manage to win, and surely only one of them is going to be the happy one, aren't they? You know, who's won the mm. Ironman. But everyone says, like the Norwegians, like it's like a duo, like a team. But it's, it's an individual sport at the end of the day, isn't it? What do you think? Uh, speaking of this, uh, we could get into the psychology of this a little bit because back in Kona 2019, if I'm not mistaken, Patrick Lang had Andy Dreitz. Andy Dreitz was riding for Patrick Lang, but this is different, isn't it? They do you think they would work for for each other? I mean, maybe they would work with each other, but do you think the one would blow each other up? Yeah, but less for think, the other, right? No, I don't think they would. I think they both want to win it themselves. And Mm -hmm. also, the thing you've got to think of is, one, the psychology, you go on about the psychology of it, but you think they do a lot of training together. They were in Sierra Nevada for a long period of time. One of them will know the other one is a better runner than them. They'll know that. They've trained together so many times. Mm -hmm. They've done so many runs off the bike. They can see the data from the lactate all the time. So one of them will know that, they have probably have less chance than the other if it comes down to a run off the bike. So that's already going to impact how they're going to race, isn't it? Let's just mm-hmm. say for argument's sake, Christian. Who do you think? Better. Who do you think that athlete is? Who is the athlete that's like, oh fuck, he's a better runner? Uh I think maybe like Christian's probably lactates a bit lower or something like that, because on one of their videos, and I saw some people comment that when they were doing reps around the track, Christian was running a few lanes out. So it was almost mm-hmm. like they were running together but he was doing a little bit more distance in the times. I don't know how true that is, but that's what like people were saying and stuff like that. So, but I mean, if you look at Christian's results in the ITU, he's done better off the bike. How will he do in a 70.3 or an Ironman? It's hard to know because I don't know if they've re- he's not really raced Gustav properly, has he? In a 70.3, obviously punched it in Worlds, didn't he? Which could mm-hmm. have been a big head-to-head. But the thing is, Christian might make the front pack. He's got more chance in the swim than, than uh, Gustav, hasn't he? To say Christian mm-hmm. makes the front pack of the swim, Gustav's in the chase pack. Does Christian work with his nemesis, Alistair Brownlee, who they're going to be going head to head a few weeks later in the sub seven? Because his game plan would be, if you're Christian, right, put yourself as your Christian, you want to win the world champs. All you want to do is win it, you know. Do you want to let 
Gustav Eden catch up and you have to take him on on the run or potentially give him the option to drop you later on the bike or make you work harder on some of the climbs. No, you're not going to want that, are you? So then he's put in a fit. He's put in a situation. I mean, in ITU, they work together a lot on the bike, but that's if they miss the front pack, isn't it? And it's in both their interests to work hard, close up the gap to the front pack and then have a run, isn't it? But if one makes the front pack and the other one doesn't, then surely Christian's not going to want to wait for Gustav, is he? Because that's probably his biggest competitor on the run, isn't it? I mean, looking at all the things, you'd say if it comes down to a running race, your money would probably be on them two, wouldn't it? They're the two big runners in the race. So then surely he's going to have to work work on the bike with some of the others, which then throws it up, like how much will the bike take out of him? Will it take a lot? Is he going to put a lot of firepower into that bike? And then could Gustav be isolated in the chase pack because he isn't able to bridge up? I mean, Gustav potentially could have people like Lionel Sanders and Sam Long to help him. But like, will he have to do some work in that pack or will they like tow him up and he's able to like save his energy? Because in Florida, obviously he was, he had Lionel who was riding hard and he played it really well tactically and saved his energy. But if he wants to get back into the front pack, could that make him potentially have to work hard on the bike, expend more mm-hmm. energy than he wants, especially if Sam or someone like that is putting some big efforts <laughs> in on some of the risers? Do you think later on, if later on in the run, for example, uh, Christian is running maybe two and a half minutes uh, uh, in front of Gustav, there's a turnaround point, Gustav sees Christian and puts in a proper junkyard dock. Do you think it could scare Christian enough if the junkyard dock that he's putting out is hard enough that it that he faints or something like that? Do you think that's possible? I think it could mentally get to him. I think mentally, if, if Gustav did do a big junkyard dog, a big one, not like a chihuahua, you know, but like a pit bull, you know, like mm-hmm. at least like what your mom and dad's got. Well, she got some Frenchies. They, you She's know, got a French bulldog. Yeah. yeah it'd, have to be at least, it'd have to be at least something like that. But if he does a big junkyard dog, yeah, I think potentially that could that could get to his head. But it would have to be with enough time left that he knows that he's because mm-hmm. he, then he'd know that Gustav's feeling good. He's just junkyard dog. That might be like, that might be his only his only chance. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think though that the 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 uh, dynamic between them two on the race could be pretty exciting if they both say if they were both on the bike together on the ride. Then also, is one of them knowing that the other one might be the better runner going to try and drop the other one? I mean, they're great training partners together, but they could be their biggest rivals, and also. The rivalry they might have in this race against each other could help some of the other athletes and mean that they're able to profit from this. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. I think it's potentially going to be, it's, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting. It, it, it is going to make it very uh, very interesting, and I'm going to see it from the start line. Is there a? Uh, Are you also... going to junk? Would you junk your dog, someone, from the sidelines? For support, yeah, for support, for support. 100%, 100%. Name some pros that I can junkyard dog that would like literally name three pros that would mentally benefit from it and then three pros that would literally, the motivation would go down the drain. I think Leon Chevalier would like a junkyard dog. Kyle Smith. Kyle Smith. <laughs> he, would, he would like a junkyard dog. He's a listener of the show, isn't he? He is, he is. He, he's, oh, a, he's, he's actually uh, an outsider, I think, for the race. Spe- speaking of, uh, Joe, speaking of St. George, let's quickly talk about, because this is the last podcast we'll probably do. Uh, this is the last podcast we'll do before uh, I'll get there. And um, at first, we're thinking of getting all like all the big boys, um, like ask them if they're keen. But I was thinking maybe we should get the outsiders on because 
the big boys are already in the picture, aren't they? Yeah. They, everyone knows who they are. Everyone knows who Lionel Sanders is and who Sam Long is. And they're all like, uh, like we all know, they've got their own the- YouTube channels. Let's put the boys in the spotlights that are like the dark horses. No one really knows anything about. They've got sponsors they want to represent. They need a, they need a stage. They need people to to show who they are, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Like we had a chat. We had a little chat about this just before this about who we, that we record this podcast about who, what we were potentially going to do. And we were thinking we'll get some of the big names. And like Tom says, loads of them have got like their own YouTube channels. They've got loads of commitments in race week. And at the end of the day, it's not really going to make it that great of content if there's like three people doing videos with the same athletes. I mean, like once you've seen one, you've seen them all. So we thought, why don't we get some of the guys who are outsiders for the race? They're young guys. They're racing their first world championships. And why don't we do follow them for some training, see what they're like, see where they're staying, um, see what their race kit and setup's like, and uh, see what their, their thoughts are going into the race. So we had a little look at the start list, didn't we, about who we like, some people that we fought. And, uh, little who, little who side note, little side note, we still need people to say yes. We still need people to say yes at the moment. Tom's going to St. George and uh, he's got no one. He's got, he's literally going to be filming himself <laughs> with Harry. <laughs> so who are some of the athletes? I've got, you Pepe. Like? I've got Pepe with the camera. He's got Pepe. Um, and with all the people that are dropping out, maybe they might give you a last minute call up to do the race. Take your TT bike. You never know, mate. I, I am going to ask. I'm going over to the registration. I'm going to say a really good friend of mine is Joe Skipper. He can't race. So can I have his bib number and just do the race? Yeah, and get me the PTO it's, points. It's a, it's a waste. Well, bro, you don't want my PTO points if I finish the race. <laughs> you'll get at least, I'm sure you'll get at least 30. Um, but you, you should... Um, who were the athletes you were thinking? Like, you had a little look, didn't you? Like, who were you, well, who were I, I, I was thinking uh, Carl Smith. I think he's a... He's a, uh, uh, he's a friend one. of the show, isn't he, as well? One Ironman New Zealand, raced at the Collins Cup, trained with Jan for... Jan for Dano. Yeah. Jan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, he could be a, he could be a good one. Uh, I was thinking Andy Potts. Andy Flippin' Potts was winning Ironman races when I was still a baby. I thought he was racing versus Mark Allen and all them. Uh, he's still around. He's still around, Joe. And I would love to uh, see you take on Andy Potts at the end of the swim set in a 100-meter race with you with fins on and him without fins, just normal. And see who comes out on top. Who would your money be on, guys? The Ooster deck with fins or the pots led out of Kona numerous times. Nearly every time he used to race there, he used to be first out of the water. Can Tom take him in a 100-yard or 100-meter swim with fins? There, isn't there a whale called pots or pot? Isn't there what? A whale. A whale. A, well, like well that's probably why he's quick. He's probably got, the, uh, he's probably got good genes in him, isn't he? Descends uh, from a family of whales. Whales. Yeah, we thought about Leon Chevalier. Uh, uh, Nikki Bartlett. Uh, um, well, we've we've got a bunch on on the list. Uh, uh, females, males. If you're racing in St George and you're uh, in the pros and uh, you wouldn't mind us, uh, you're a listener and you wouldn't mind uh, featuring in one of the videos, hit us up. Like uh, we're we're definitely looking for some people to feature. Tom is he basically wants to do a training session with you. Can be uh, any training session just in the race week, uh, and he'll pop along, come and join you, and. Uh, He's got Pepe, awesome video. Can also could also be for lunch or just uh, a tour around uh, the place. I'm coming to St George with a massive uh, uh, camper van. By the way, Joe, uh, 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 the, uh, the the Macquarie camper van, the RV. Um, and I was Unfortunately, thinking, though, you've got no merch to sell, have you? Which was the original plan. <laughs> I know, I know. It's just all these companies that are taking so long, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's nothing. 
But basically, um, I, want, I was thinking, if there is... If people are keen enough and want to meet up and say hi whilst meet other junkyard dogs or something like that, I'll, I'll post it up on the Travel and Mockery to see if people are keen. We could do a barbecue or or uh, and a beer, proper beer, not an athletic brewery uh, over at the RV on, I'd say, Wednesday or something. That is still a decent amount of time before the race day. And yeah. speaking about that, Joe and I have got some tips. If you're racing as an age grouper, your first Ironman World Championships. If you're racing your first age group world championships, we've seen it loads in like Kona and other places. Like some of the guys there, they've the qualifying was a big deal for them, but they're uh, they're probably going to do the racing like you know they're not going to be competing for a win in their age group. And we think if you're going to be someone who's like going there and you want to do a good race, but you're not going for like a top three or a top five in your age group, enjoy the experience of being out there. You know, if you're out there with your family, don't put too much pressure on it and make the most of what's out there and enjoy the holiday because you see a lot of guys that go there. And they're like proper intense, you know, they'll try and stay off their feet all week. They stay indoors and they don't make the most of where they are, especially like when they go to some amazing places. Like, you know, you're in Kona, it's awesome. There's loads of stuff to do. So um, I am guilty as flipping fuck on this one because the first year I went to Kona, I had a bucket list of what I wanted to do prior to that race. And that was get a picture with Jan Fredino, get a picture with Lionel Sanders and get a picture of Daniela Reeve for the rest of the week, legs up and don't do anything. Just get the trading sessions done, lay on your bed. I was like, mate, what why? year was that then? 2018, the year that I heat How come you wanted a picture of Lionel Sanders and not a picture of me? I'm heartbroken, mate, over that. Dude, I didn't even know. I remember I, I met you over at the pier. I, I, I literally had no clue about triathlon. I didn't even know. I thought you were an age group. I thought you were an age grouper, mate. Mate, um, like you knew Lionel. How did you know Lionel then? He's not even European. Lionel, Lionel was the guy that really got me into Ironman racing because I did the half distance and then... I was watching the Ironman World Championships and I was watching the battle between Patrick Lang and Lionel Sanders. And I was thinking, holy shit, these guys are absolute fucking beasts. They're doing like a marathon off the bike and they're running so quick. And I want to do an Ironman and I want to qualify for Kona. That was when I signed up really? that night. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, I was. What, uh, you actually signed up for an Ironman the night of that? The night that of night. that Ironman what? Maastricht. Really? And I wonder so you were like, oh my God, there's one in Holland. I'm going to do yeah. that. <laughs> yes, literally. That was it. That was it. Um, but and yeah. you had a jazzy Bitcoin sponsor. Because I remember when I saw you in 2018, you were sponsored by a crypto company, weren't you? You had like Bitcoins all over you. Yeah, still Bitcoins all over the place, mate. Man, but if he'd have gave you a couple of Bitcoins then, that would have been a great sponsorship, wouldn't it? Yeah. If he would have said something like, I'd sponsor you 100 Bitcoins, will that do? And you'd be like, mate, that's only like 500 euros. Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, and you agree. <laughs> imagine if you turned that down that was the case you'd be absolutely kicking yourself now wouldn't you like oh, oh my god mine are going to uh anyway yeah so looking back back at my first year of kona i just took the experience way too serious the race way too serious and for what for coming in 250th looking back at the experience i would do stuff differently i would go for scuba diving i would go for cocktails not mocktails cocktails uh i would do the underpants run uh, I would do like literally everything and enjoy the experience. So if you come into St. George and you're thinking, hey, Tom, that's the category I'm in. Like, like I'm, I'm thinking about finishing 10 plus hours. Don't care. Nobody cares. I, enjoy the whole experience. It's not about being 10 minutes faster or slower. Um, yeah, honestly, come to the Truffle Mockery so, Barbecue. Yeah, as well as having a good time. Tom's looking to get more people to come to the RV and uh, keep him company. If you can't yeah, fuck the race. Fuck. Yeah, this is a call out. <laughs> uh, it is bring your own 
beer, beer, and and and, and meat. We still need to think about this. How uh, I, I don't even know if we've got a, a a like a grill or something in that. RV. Take your ID, mate. Otherwise, they might not sell it to you in the supermarkets over there. They're pretty straight. Yeah, there's a big chance. There's a big chance. Um, any other hot takes on St George, Joe? Um. Well, we'll get into some more of the athletes next week, but I mean, no, just looking forward to seeing you you go over there and seeing seeing what it's like and uh, keeping me up to uh, keeping me in the loop. I'm gutted that I'm not going, but I'm looking forward to seeing what what you guys get up to. And um, please, during the week, like if you're able to share, if you like the videos, please share them because uh, we don't have that big of a, a fan gauge to get all the videos out, and for us, it's kind of a trial if if people like it or not, and. Uh, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, it will. And uh, it would be a shame if a lot of people would like to see the videos, but they find out about the videos a couple of months after uh, the St. George race. So if you're able to share it. that The money has come from patrons as well, hasn't it? That's what we want to say. Like this Part- is Partially. The, well, yeah, but you've got to try and get the money back off like in a few months down the line, haven't you? But if it mm-hmm. wasn't for any patrons, this uh, yeah. wouldn't be able to happen. So but Shout out is- to the real OG docs that are supporting us. Do you want to be part of the OG docs? Get some extra content? If, if we can manage to do it, uh, get some extra content and all that, sign up to our Patreons. Like, uh, uh, yeah, if you just like the show and you're thinking like, I want to support the boys so we can do, uh, and we've got some other cool ideas in the pipeline for later on this year. So it's not just St. George. We've got Joe, I've been thinking about this, the battle of the influencers in Ironman Wales. We want to get Eric Klaus, Scott Bayvel, Harry Palmer, uh, maybe the big Mets. I don't know. He's he's a bit out of a league, as in he's like a quite a better athlete than the rest of us. Hasn't qualified for Kona yet, though, mate. So it'll be what at the moment if he doesn't qualify for Kona, it could be on his schedule. It could be. Would be nice to have the big Mets over there as well. The mozzarella, aka myself. Um, yeah, it would be cool to uh, to host a triathlon mockery, and then we will we'll think about like a build up, couple of months where we like everyone because we're all YouTubers, aren't we? Uh, and then we've got some other stuff, but we're going to keep it to ourselves because sometimes people are stealing our ideas. Are they? Maybe, Joe. You never know. Snakes <laughs> don't sleep. Snakes don't sleep. It's like that snake, uh, isn't it, that tried to trick Adam and Eve to take the apple off the tree, isn't it? You know, you've, they're cunning, cunning creatures, mate. You know, cunning and that creatures. Was, uh, that, that goes back to the start of time, doesn't it? Start of human race, isn't it? The snake was exactly. already trying to trick people. Exactly. Before you tune out. Fruit. <laughs> the forbidden fruit uh speaking of forbidden fruits before you tune out make sure to uh uh to like uh and rate the podcast like on spotify you can rate it like that would be really helpful second of all man flu is real the man flu is real and how uh, are the ratings going how are our ratings going yeah pretty good pretty good are we a five-star show we are a five-star show joe we are a five-star well, show obviously uh, the haters that tried to cancel us early on or uh career haven't found out about that they how they can rate that then have they yet <laughs> yeah or they've <laughs> but it's all it's all diluted uh anyway I've, i'm hoping to see lots of you guys in st george don't be scared to uh walk up to us uh would be keen uh, as we're also uh, going to interview all the age of all oh, not all the age groups it would take ages but a couple um thanks for listening and i'll see you next week st george See you Bye. Later.